Oh. Ooh. Oops. Hey, try again. All right. Hey, everybody. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to Monster Baby Podcast. Uh, Monster Baby is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation with your hosts, Lisa Rowland and, and Ted DeMaison. Oh, yes. We're so skillful at this thing, we never talk, talk over, over each other. other. <laughs> uh, we are, you are joining us for Monster Baby Podca- uh, Podcast episode number eight. And in this podcast, we are responding to a question submitted by one of our listeners, Catherine, who inquired about the healing properties of mindfulness and improvisation, how they are the same and how they're different, and what, why, they're, why they are healing. So we kind of pontificated on that for a while. Love the, love the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really rich to be able to explore that and surprise ourselves a little bit. Um, and I also love having a question to chew on. Yeah, yeah. It was a fun, it, it was inspiring. Yeah. And uh, we've got a few more sort of lined up that someone else sent in. And so we'll see how that goes. But um, it's really exciting to have it feel like a conversation, not just with the two of us, but with a little larger community. Yeah, with a community. So thank you so much and listen on. We hope you enjoy it. So glad you're here. Here it comes Monster Baby Podcast. Three things. Three wispy things. Clouds. Q-tips. Cotton balls. Three Three things. things. Three things that are uh, three sounds that you could describe as wayfish. (laughs) (laughs) Three things. (laughs) Three reasons to whisper when you enter an office building. Because everybody is silent. Because the SATs are happening there. Um, because you uh, have been told about the curse of that building. Three, three things. things. <laughs> three, um, three things that really put Viola outside her comfort zone. Oh my goodness. When a man speaks to her directly about her body. <laughs> when somebody realizes that she's been taking tranquilizers. <laughs> when, when, some, when she gets driven across the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> Three things. Three things about the size of a fist. A human heart. Mm -hmm. Um, An appropriate portion of protein. Yes. (laughs) Um, uh, Your stomach. Three Three things. things. Three, um, Three Shakespearean love, uh, kind of professions of love that Shakespeare never wrote. Mm. Ah, but would you fly like the wings of a wren into my heart and rest there? You are like the canoe that rose on the shores of my heart. (laughs) And let the rain fall and wash me clean, for I have never felt so dirty as I feel now. (laughs) Three things! (laughs) Three computer bugs that really might exist. Oh. The one where it takes one, every one, single one of your documents and sends it to a different one of your contacts in your contact list. The one where it, it composes really scandalous emails and sends them to anybody in your, in your work um, <laughs> contact <laughs> list. The one where it doesn't actually erase anything or, or cause any kind of actual trouble, but it just renames all of your documents and puts them in different oh. file folders. Well, that's terrible. What's that one called? Um, scramble. Three, three things. things. Uh, three things you think of when you think of the, the American Southwest. Oh, Hopis. Sunsets. Desert. Three, three things. things. Three peaches. Three, uh, what's it, breeds of peaches that Georgia's really into? The Sunset Rose. The Misty on the Lake. Uh, the, the, the Lady D. Three, Three things. things. Three things you like about when it rains. Oh, the smell. Um, the way things turn green and the patterns of clouds in the sky. Three, Three things. things. Three, uh, three, three characters in high school who are archetypal. The bully, the mm-hmm. jock. The captain of the cheerleading squad. Three Three things. things. Three other uh, archetypal high school characters. Uh, The guy who's really good at IT and always helps the teacher out. Um, The uh, uh, tortured art uh, theater 
director who's a teacher and the librarian who uh, runs the SATs and is really good at organization. Three things. <laughs> Three more people who are archetypal in high school. Okay. Um, the popular girl who only hangs out with other popular girls. Um, the girl in the corner who writes poetry in a, in a journal uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, wears overalls, maybe. Uh, and the... Um, <laughs> the English teacher who who thinks he's the he's everyone's friend. He right. thinks he's the Ed, the student's friend. Three, Three things. things. Uh, should we call it? Yeah. Should we get started? Yeah, let's get started. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. That game was really just our warm up. That was a game of three things. It does not have anything to do with the rest of the podcast, but we had a good time doing it, and we thought it might be fun to include. We had a good time. We love you. We wanted to give you a bonus. Now, on to the podcast. So, we received our first... Oh, that was so exciting! ...letter to the Monster Baby podcast. Info at monsterbaby.com. Uh, Monsterbabypodcast.com, Monster yeah. and, uh, and and the the author of that letter suggested a question. Can we say the author's name? We don't need to say the whole name. Her name is Catherine. Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Catherine. If, you're, if you're listening. Catherine, thank you for writing We us. were so excited to get your email. You can't even know. Great smiles abounding. Um, yeah. Uh, shout out to Troy also, who has communicated with us about ideas for podcasts, which we will certainly use in the future. Uh, that came via text, so we didn't get the exciting re- receiving an email at info at monsterbabypodcast.com feeling. It's like Christmas morning. But um, but thank you also, Troy, and we will be, we'll get on your questions soon. So Catherine had this to say. At, well, at the end, she sent, she sent some lovely words um, about how she's been enjoying the podcast. But her question was right at the end. There was a couple, couple questions. And we thought, you know what? Not only is this an interesting question, but we also want to honor that you sent that in yeah so we'd love to talk about it today so the question is why are mindfulness and improv both healing in what ways do you suppose it is for the same or different reasons why are mindfulness and improvisation healing i mean i would so there is an assumption that they're both healing correct that i tend to agree with i tend to agree with that as well but let's play with that a little bit because i I mean there's tons of scientific evidence Mm -hmm. For mindfulness being healing. Yeah, there's not so much scientific evidence for improv no. being healing. Although there, although... There are starting to be, maybe. Well, and there's a lot of evidence for um, certain kinds of interactions being healing, or, or rather, healthy. Yes. And improv gets at a lot of those. Right. So things like flexibility, and things like, you know, hum, human, inter- human interaction. Feeling and, of belonging. Yeah, yeah, all of those things that, that improv really supports. And also psychological safety for kind of, sort sure. of how, how powerful that stuff is. I, I'm thinking uh, on a physiological level, laughter. Mm-hmm. And then also play mm-hmm. and its ability to develop love, right? So that's also very healthy. And trust is a huge part of play. Yes. Like, to, to develop trust. I was talking to a woman recently who I met. I, I went on a, a horse ride, a three-day horse ride with, with my mom at an amazing place called the Wild Horse Sanctuary in Northern California. So you could look that up if you're interested. Um, but I met this woman who had worked with a battered women's shelter. Or rather, she had run a shelter for a while, a domestic violence shelter, and then it switched to... Um, kind of providing resources to women to stay in their homes after they or after they've left their abusers, or you know, kind of providing resources rather than providing a home. But she said one of the reasons that having a shelter was really difficult is because nobody trusted each other. I mm. mean, they were these women were in situations where the world was a very scary place and nothing was to be trusted. Everything was out of their control. Right. Uh, and so that was trained in them. And I taught her some improv games because she seemed inter- interested, and. She said, this would be amazing because it builds, it actively builds trust. Right. Simply by the, simply by the act of knowing that your idea is going to get accepted and supported. Yeah. And again, that's not scientific evidence, but, it, but I, but I love that idea of, right. of working with, working with groups that have 
that don't have trust. And and they can do that so elegantly because you're not. It's not like you're saying we're going to do a trust building. You're going to work on trust, right? You're just playing. It's almost like you're tricking <clears throat> people into behaving in this way. Yeah, and and I've seen that. I've seen improv work that way, to help a group form or to over, overcome differences or resentments across hierarchical lines as well. Mm-hmm. It's like we're not gonna when we meet each other, we're not gonna introduce like what's our rank and what's our status. We're just gonna play. Yeah. And then after a couple of days of that, like all of a sudden, people can really open up to each other. Yeah. But um, but mindfulness has this. I mean, this long track record because of the work, the Center for Mindfulness, or the uh, Stress Reduction Clinic at the University of Massachusetts Medical School for the last 30-something years now, 20 to 30, almost 37 years, they've been doing research. And it's like all these bad things go down and all these good things go up. So it's like anxiety goes down, uh, depression goes down, pain, physical pain or symptomatic pain Joint pain goes down, and then focus goes up, uh, empathy goes up, compassion goes up, resilience goes up, um, ability to stay present, or like, and that's all demonstrated. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, it works. And and the more you do it, the better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, So, there's kind of like, it's established, but I, I was. When we got Catherine's note, I was thinking about how, for me, there's something about the, the practice of both mindfulness and improv is like, uh, it's like a drop of water. You know, each time you do it, it's like, oh, or maybe not a drop, but maybe like a cleanse, you know, just a rinsing. Uh-huh. You just rinse. So you, so you sit for 15 minutes and you're quiet and you're allowing your thoughts to be what they are and you're taking that attitude of compassion mm-hmm. or curiosity and kindness it's like that kindness is a is a balm it just washes away some toxicity yeah and each time you do it it's just a little bit more it's not like oh my god i sat for 15 minutes and my life has completely changed right it's not revolutionary right away right right away but over two months a year yeah two years it starts to be like oh i'm just in general, feeling more comfortable in my skin. Yeah. And I'm more clear in my relationships, and I don't get into trouble as much, and I don't have the same kind of drama that I used to have, and I enjoy things more when I'm doing them. And Yeah. Um, I think they both have that kind of rinsing, washing things away quality to them. And I don't know if it's... I don't know if they're the same, but there's something about that kindness. Yeah, it's... Yeah... It's interesting. I I wouldn't have described improv as a washing away. It feels like it's you are actively moving in a positive direction yes. rather than just clearing out the bad the bad stuff. It's like the things you are doing in this moment with other people are done in a spirit of generosity and and Great. honesty and kindness and attention and and playfulness yep. so it's like you're training those muscles so it feels less like a like a clearing and more like a filling up of right of a really good yeah of a really good you're really good jar right you got a jar for n- nastiness and a, and a jar for positivity and it feels like you're you're putting stuff in the positivity jar yeah you're depositing yeah it's not necessarily just emptying the negative jar right yeah, so this is a really this interesting stuff about psychology here, about which is the right approach. I think they're both healthy and important. Yeah, uh, I think Western minds tend to be more in the in the direction of let me do something to make it better, mm-hmm. and Eastern philosophy is more like let me remove the obstacles that are in the way of the natural flow of things, mm-hmm. and if I can get in line with that natural flow. I too will be in the natural flow mm-hmm. and I will be happy and healthy, not in an ecstatic way, but just like contentment. Things are good. Things, yeah. things are moving in, in a way that feels in alignment with the universe. Yeah. Ooh, that's great. So I wonder if there's that kind of play here. The meditation is moving more on that kind of Eastern side of things and mm-hmm. improv more on that Western side. Yeah. Though I, I do think that mindfulness and meditation put into place these positive circuits in the brain. So if like 
if I can come to a situation with compassion in my practice, I'm more likely to do it in my daily life. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing that I've created this holding vessel, right, in mm-hmm. my brain or in my being to be able to do that good thing. But there's something about mindfulness that changes the way we relate to the negative. Mm-hmm. So it's like we can bring it up for investigation and say, oh, okay, now let me check it out. Yeah. Let me name it. Let me sit with it. And it's like it just dissolves. and. Yeah, well, it, and that reminds me of mistakes or gifts. I mean, in a way, mm. improv also gives us an, op- an opportunity to change the way. In the idea that everything's an offer, I think that, yeah. I think that kind of spans both. Yes. So say because, more about that. So like in the improv tradition, nothing is wrong. Nothing is a mistake. Everything is something that you can play with, even if it's different than what you expected. And in life that shows up like, oh, I wanted this job and I didn't get that job. And that can seem like just, uh, that can seem like a lack of information or that can seem like a lack of a step forward when really maybe it's just a matter of how we relate to it and say, well, that's, that everything's an offer. That's an offer. You get to build on that, mm-hmm. on that offer. It's not the offer you, you thought you wanted and it's not the offer you expected, but it's still a, an offer. So it kind of, it also takes away the evaluation of the offer that you're given and assumes that you're going to play with it. Right. Right? So yeah, so that the, the doing the improv becomes healing because it gets you used to... Well, I think it just practices that That's skill, right. Maybe. So it builds up that, as you said earlier, builds up that muscle. Yeah. So... You come to it in real life, and it's like, oh, I know how to deal with this. Right. This looks like a mistake. Oh yeah. Wait, but in improv, if some right, I can just say yes to this, or this will this will be okay, even if it's different. Yeah. It like provides this parallel. Right. Right. Context. So we just had an interesting pause where we were wondering about sound. So we're recording in Lisa's apartment today, first time we've recorded here. We've got sounds outside and there are neighbors, neighbors above. And I, you know, we were heard, hearing some sound from them. It's kind of interesting because, you know, we're just talking about mistakes being gifts. And it's like, oh, is that gonna, is that, I just had the thought now, is that a gift somehow that we took that pause? Hmm. And now we're coming back after a moment so it felt like it was interrupting the flow mm-hmm. of the conversation the pause did yeah uh-huh. but i wonder like oh so what's here now yeah as a result i don't know what what is here now <laughs> what do you notice hmm i uh, i want to go back to catherine's question and see the second yeah well second i was just looking it, at that because the... we we had been talking about we were sort of establishing that these things are healing, which we took as an assumption in her question. Well, and we've gone to the second part, which is in what ways do you suppose it is for the same or different reasons? Mm-hmm. So I feel like we do a lot of talking about how it is the same. Right. And we don't do a lot of talking about how it's different. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know... One of the reasons why I love these two combined, yeah. not just as supportive, but actually linking the two, is that I think they complement each other. So a lot of people think of mindfulness as just sitting, sitting still, being quiet, and that improv gives us a way to do that in movement and do that in interaction and do that do in connection. Do mindfulness in to movement be, in, to, in exactly, action. To practice yeah. mindfulness in action. So I love it for that. And... I think that in general, they are different that way. And these healing properties that we're talking about, there's something about coming into the present moment that is healing. And and mindfulness does it through usually through some sort of stillness or at least slowing down. Mm-hmm. And it could be a walking meditation, but where you are... You're noticing your feet in contact with the ground and then shifting weight onto one foot slowly and then slowly lifting the other foot and moving it in space and then eventually placing the heel on the ground and then noticing the outside arch and then the balls of the feet and then shifting the weight, slowing it down that way to be able to stay present to that. And we talk about it as moving out of the thinking mind 
that's doing the evaluating, planning, judging, into the sensing mind, sensing mode of just being present with what is, and that that alone steadies things, calms things, calms things, heals things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's that is a little bit different, and at least from the way most people do improv. Right. Mm-hmm. In most circles, improv circles I've been in, there's not that quality of stillness. Mm-hmm. I think the best improvisers have it. One of the things I love about watching you and the folks you play with, because mm-hmm. I think you very much have it, but there's that, that still center is often not there, as we've talked about before, because people are afraid or giddy or, you know, they're up on stage in front of people and they want to be funny. Yeah. Um, so I think that maybe that's one difference between at least how they're usually practiced. Yeah. That mindfulness cultivates its healing property through a stillness. Uh-huh. And improv's almost always got movement to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm i just thinking, I just finished teaching a 10-week improv class at Stanford as in the theater department. And this is like my favorite, well... It's my favorite and least favorite time because the class is done now, which makes me so sad, but everybody's turned in their final projects, which is the best because the final project is basically tell me what you got out of this class. What did you learn? What did you is learn? Is it even that or is it just what did you get out of it? It's what you get out of it. Like, tell me the story of your experience in 103. Yeah. Yeah. What What are you leaving this class with? I mean, it's a very open-ended question um, on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I say you can answer that in any way you want. So one guy did a series of audio and video like he he did a video introduction then he did a series of audio um files in which he went around campus and talked to people got suggestions from strangers and told stories incorporating their their suggestions Hmm. in an effort to demonstrate the things he had learned in the class which were fearlessness um and trust and willingness to be average like i'm gonna go take a risk and do something in front of people that i don't know and risk risk not it having not going well and doing Hmm. it anyway Hmm. um for instance, and I, I, that's actually interesting because a lot of things that, so the reason that I bring this up is because I'm, I'm steeped right now in what people get from improv because I'm being told by 30 people what they have gotten from improv. And so much of it is about risk taking and knowing that you're going to be okay, even if things don't go as you planned. Would you, could we call that authenticity? Is it, is it somehow... Like a, a I'm willing, sure that that's tied up in there, but I, I think... Willingness just, to just be yourself and to come out and say, here I am. I, I think it's more than that. Okay. I think it's willingness to... It's. I think the way that I'm gathering people are talking about it is not like now I have I'm I can risk being who I am, but like I can go for things that I wouldn't normally go for, or I can uh, go okay. try stuff that I might not have tried 10 weeks ago, or, I, you know, I'm saying yes to things that are taking me into new places that I didn't anticipate going. Okay. And I know that an adventure wait, awaits me even if it, even if I don't know what that adventure is or it goes differently than I expected. So there's a boldness that is cultivated in, in right. improv. It's less about identity than about attitude. Yes. Yes. It's less about like, I'm okay being who I am and I can take that risk. It's like, whoa, I could do anything in the world mm-hmm. and I would be okay. Like, So there's this, it's emboldening. Hmm. Um and but I but I think that what both that I I don't know necessarily how that that ties in directly to to healing. Um, but I, but I think that one of the things that is tied to that is that improv really teaches. Is that you have everything you need. Mm. You already have everything you need. You. You do not need your effort. Yeah. Which is, which I find very like, oh, I'm okay. I'm and okay. That's kind of like that Eastern philosophy too. Yeah. Interestingly enough. And it comes from Patricia. I mean, that those are Patricia's words. Patricia Ryan Madsen. Right. Like I can hear her say, you have everything you need. When you get to the moment, you'll have what you need. Right. You do not need to prepare for every eventuality. Trust that you have what you need. Hmm. It doesn't mean don't prepare. It doesn't, right? It doesn't mean that if you've got a job interview, you shouldn't think about what you might say, right? Right. But do your preparation and then just show up and see what's there and, and trust that you've got what you need. There's a kind of uh, agency that it delivers. Like, I am going to be able to 
take care of myself or to make something happen or to contribute in some way. I may not be the only person to get something done, but I will be able to do something. Yeah. I And I think that, I think that uh, sense of agency is itself healing. Mm-hmm. Or at least it's happy making. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting, right? We talk about healing and it makes me question, healing from what? Like, what are, what are we talking, what are the injuries that we're talking about? And I think that maybe mm. those injuries are, right, generally they're emotional and they're like, I have, I, I, I have lost faith in myself. I have lost faith in other people or trust in other people. I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting. It's like it could. I think it also could be not just going from negative to neutral, but also could be from neutral to positive. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, yeah, my life is okay, but I'm kind of skating along, and oh, now I'm thriving. Now I've got a, a feeling of vitality and yeah. a feeling of well, for sure. I think for and, sure it does that. But if our question is about healing, I'm, I'm suggesting I think that's also healing. That is, he- doesn't it feel like healing? implies a an affliction you heal from something like you're healing from I, some wound well yeah so this is i think we're getting into worldview so like i think that if we uh in some element some way yeah that there's there's an obstacle to remove but it could also be that there's even more after that of like okay so now you don't have anything afflicting you what else well, so, can okay. you expand? So but that's like also this. healing. So it's like it's like healing. if I break my leg, the healing is the bone knitting back together. Okay. The healing is like becoming once again a functional leg. But it feels like maybe, but then there is, okay, and now I'm going to get really healthy. Like, and now, okay, my, my leg works, yes, but there's like a difference between a baseline, my leg can carry me, and like... Being able to run and being in good cardiovascular shape and be, you know, eating well and having a like healthy GI tract and all those things that like, and it feels like those are the two things we're talking about in terms of healing and then thriving. And I think that both mindfulness and improvisation do both of those things. Promote both. Yeah. It can change the effect or the detriment of the challenge and they can expand the sense of possibility for the positive. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's okay. Dear listeners, we hope you are not afflicted <laughs> by the music coming from my neighbors. Yeah. I don't know what music it is. Our neighbors are having a great time. That's what I'm taking joy in that right now. This is sympathetic joy. Joy in others' joy. Yeah. It feels good. Um, it feels like the glorious chaos of living in a city where we're all piled on top of each other is like we get little pieces of each other's lives. Mm. Um, <laughs> I I live in a more of a suburb. Yes. Occasionally we get we get people noise from people. I live next to a school, a, a kids school, and so occasionally the noise from the next door neighbors is the of the yeah. schoolyard joy. Yeah. Um, which does not always promote joy in those nearby. <laughs> right. And then, like, I think once or twice a year, we have neighbors who live right behind our house uh-huh. who have, like, this big outdoor party, and they set up a screen and a projector in their backyard, and they have, like, dancing music, and it goes to, like, 2 in the morning. And wow. Do they invite you? No, not to date, they have not. Oh. But they had, at one point, they had a movie and music going. Crazy. How do you think I felt about that? I do not think you liked it, Ted. Yeah, I wanted to leave. <laughs> I wanted to leave. But oh well. But oh well. But through your your acceptance practice, you breathed? Uh, it was more I endured. <laughs> there are times where my practice does not... Does not hold up. It doesn't... I mean, it maybe leaves me better than I would be otherwise. Yeah. But it's... That's the thing about having a sensitive constitution. Okay, can can these things help me with my sensitive constitution? Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Like, how do you? Uh, we have these things that are we, we think of them as afflictions, and maybe they're not even afflictions. I guess this is, the improv mistakes or gifts thing too. Yeah. 
You mean like your sensitive constitution? Yeah, I, I often, it's both a gift and a curse that uh, I pick things up and I'm aware of things and I can be good to people partly because I'm aware of my own actions and um, and yet there are times where it's like I wish I could just kind of move through the world and not be feel like I'm being buffeted by things so often. Yeah, yeah. You know, and things that other people can just be like, ah, oh, what's not a big deal? It's like, I know that intellectually, but I just can't take it's it. It's bothering you. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, we talked about that when we, when we were talking about my trip to Turkey. Yeah. But I had, I had an interesting conversation with my mom um, this week. We were talking about food and sugar sensitivity. And so some of you listeners may know, but not all of you for certain, that I don't eat sugar. And I, I stopped eating sugar 1987, a long time ago, and I was realizing when I was talking to my mom um, that I think that was my first mindfulness practice, Ah. was dealing with that affliction, or noticing my own relationship to sugar, realizing it had an impact on me, in this case a negative impact, and then, so I stopped for a while, to for a day of prayer, and I wanted to be a clear antenna for that energy in the world and then afterwards I felt so much better so then you were a unique 19 year old I was a unique 19 year old <laughs> yes I stopped I eating like, sugar like I don't know many 19 year olds who are like I need to cleanse so that I can be a clear antenna for the energy that's coming to me <laughs> I know. in Mike's day of prayer <laughs> and, yeah and that's a hangover in most 19 year old worlds it's like I'm just gonna I can't eat I can't. anything because I too, I'm too have sensitive. no appetite I'm too sensitive stop making please turn noise. the light off please <laughs> you're talking too loud right I had a kind of I kind of go through a hangover without ever having had anything to drink it's glorious um, lucky you well especially for a young man yeah. too right uh, but that when I started to try to reintroduce sugar, like maybe I could have my grandmother's apple pie, I became really good at noticing if I eat food X, my body feels A, B, and C. Uh-huh. My emotions do D, E, and F. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, my muscles do <laughs> L, M, N, and O. <laughs> um, and, and it became very refined. Yeah. And so a lot of mindfulness practice is it's funny, I don't I don't do this as much on my own meditation now of like what's happening in my body or I'll pay attention to my breathing or that sort of thing. I do it more when I'm teaching than when I'm doing my own practice. But I'm aware that almost all the time I can tell you what my body is doing in relationship to energy. Yeah. Do I need more food? Do I need more water? Do I need more sleep? Yeah. Like I'm really tuned into that. And I think that that practice that came out of my not eating sugar has helped me be more healthy. Uh-huh. Right? That I don't, I don't get as sick as uh, Other people. most people do. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know, whatever. I do. I'm just generally pretty healthy. Yeah. Maybe that's my genetics or maybe I'm just lucky or uh, I don't know. But I... I think it's not just that I'm not eating sugar or that I'm eating relatively healthy food. No, but, but that's one of the pieces. That's of one it. of the pieces. But I think it's also that mindfulness practice that came out of that. Yeah. That helped. And it and it trans transformed at least partly the affliction into a gift. Yeah. So I feel like I I wouldn't want to not be well, I was gonna say I wouldn't want to not be this sensitive. Maybe I'd tone it down just a little bit. Yeah. But I like being sensitive. Yeah. And it's okay that the world is difficult sometimes. Uh-huh. But anyway. Yeah. I don't even know if that's relevant, but it feels like it's connected somehow. I somewhere. think it is. I think it is. I um I want to bring up this one thing that keeps coming coming up with regards to improv and healing, which is that uh improv is not therapy. Oh, interesting. And I, is, it, is it therapeutic? You, I think I think it is therapeutic. Okay, so how, yeah, same one. But it is not therapy. And when students, like my experience is that when students come to improv looking for therapy, it's very disruptive. So what's the difference? It's like if they're there to work out their shit. Yeah. And after every exercise, they're like, oh, 
this is how my relationships have gone. And now my ex-husband was this way and I needed to be, and it's like, okay, we're gonna do another scene. We're doing scenes, we're doing improv now. We are not working your issues out. Mm-hmm. That, and it's an interesting balance because it's absolutely therapeutic and those insights are absolutely valuable and you should go have those somewhere. Right. Right. But in terms of like a setting, an improv, like an improv setting of like, um, I've, I, and I actually have really, um, been thinking about this a lot in terms of, I, I think there's a lot of power in doing improv for improv's sake, doing improv as improv and allowing the benefits to come pursue improv as a practice of improv right, like right. look to do the best improv possible look to do excellent space object work look to do excellent storytelling like try do the improv yes as if that were the only reason you're doing this is to be the best improviser you can be and the all the good stuff comes along for the ride but i there's and i wonder but there's you know because it is putting you in this good way of being yeah you know, like you know. And I wonder if that is a mark of your personal preference more than fact or as much as fact. Yeah. In that... There, yeah, totally, maybe. There are applied improvisers... Absolutely. Of ...saying, no, this is therapy, and yeah. we're going to do psychodrama, and we're going to reenact scenes from your childhood. No, absolutely. Psychodrama is therapy. Yes. <laughs> right, but it's an improvisational... It's got an element to it that's improvisational. Sure. And, no, yeah, no, that's a great point. This is This is in the context in which I've... Taught right, and I and think, at improv schools, I think that you're. I love what you're describing is to do improv in a sort of to let it be its thing and trust that it will have this trickle down or resonance, this echo that will move through the rest of your life. One of the reasons I think that works for you, mm-hmm. Lisa Roland, is that you are such a reflective person, like that you have a natural bend towards integrating that stuff Mm -hmm. and I wonder if somebody's not as reflective as you or as I am like I do the same thing like oh my god this is totally relevant yeah with everything right oh my god the way they're constructing the street has meaning right um but that because we do that naturally we get that benefit whereas many people be like what are you talking about this is just we're just doing improv until somebody helps make them helps make the connection for them explicitly like now, what if you took these insights and brought them to your workplace team? Oh right. my gosh. Or what if you took these insights and brought them to your relationship with your spouse? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And yet I I'm right with you in that there's a there's an appeal to saying don't worry about it right now. Just, Just do, do it. the improv. Yeah. And you'll discover it. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's like I also do applied improv and I know. teach applied improv and but it, so- it sounds like there's something for you like you're okay with saying let's make that connection explicit if we're talking about practical skills speaking in front of a room uh, how to yeah, listen to your partner yeah, that kind of thing just but that when it gets more emotional or spiritual that there's some resistance that comes up in you or correct me if I'm wrong but it seems like you're you're less inclined to make that explicit connection. No, I disagree. Okay. I disagree. I think it's all about the setting. I'm fine with talking about, I'm fine with making the connections to practical skills. Oh, okay. If I'm in, if I'm doing improv in a workplace. Okay. I'm, you know, if we're doing one of our retreats, I have no resistance to talking about kind of the the emotional experience of saying yes and how right. vulnerable that feels and how hard it can be to be taken out of your comfort zone. Right? Right. Is so that what it, you mean? Yeah. No, this is helpful. Yeah. But it, So you're talking about so the person who comes to a regular improv class and wants <laughs> that to be therapy. That's what I mean. Is like, oh, no, not here. This is not what this is for. It's not what this is for. Yeah. Okay. So it is a setting-specific thing. Because because by all means, well, if, if you go to, <laughs> go to group therapy and people are using improv... Then you then, that is therapy, right. and Got that's it. great, and that should that is that's a wonderful usage of it. Right. Um, I find it therapeutic. Just doing it. Just right. Yep. And the truth is, I find it therapeutic even if I'm not working through my shit. Like even if I'm not like, oh, how does this apply to my life? Even if I'm not thinking about that stuff, doing improv feels 
good. Like it feels It's got an immediate benefit. Yeah, like right away. And I and I, I wonder if like I kind of have a belief that it feel I mean, it feels good to be in cooperation with other people. Yes. And it feels good to have your your bids accepted, your offers accepted yes. by other people. And you're guaranteed you're guaranteed that in an improv setting if you know, if people are playing, playing with, yeah. in the right way. Or in our way, <laughs> I suppose. Um, which is the right way. Which is the right way. You know, and there's like all these like studies like primates and babies like to watch watch people cooperating rather than watching people fighting. Or not even people, like entities, right? If you see like... Um, yeah. There's there's just like... it's It is neurologically... That's what we, we're kind of wired for it. Interesting. We're wired for wanting cooperation. And so I wonder if there's something really deeply satisfying or resonant Mm -hmm. about watching that happen. Like when you go to an improv show and you're watching people work together and I think it can be really delightful and I think that's part of what the laughter is for. Or you get to go to an improv class or a workout and you're playing with each other and, and it's all working and you're all building on each other and there's something really kind of profoundly and humanly... Yeah, immediately. Um significant and meaningful and and positive about that and you know maybe it dates back to like we need each other or we'll die right it dates back to our being social creatures and that in some ways we're so isolated because we don't need to protect each other from predators and you know anymore now we have traffic jams you know which our bodies think are is a danger but I, I think there's something about this just being in a playful space that that sends dopamine like it's just happy totally and so yeah that feels good because you know yeah play feels good yeah period yeah and 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 being creative feels good and you know to kind of go on a a deeper spiritual level like i don't know what are we here for right i think one of the things we're here for is to create and so when we are actually doing it in a way that's tangible and visible like that wouldn't have been here if I didn't do that, mm-hmm. this story wouldn't have existed if I hadn't said this. Yeah. That's like pleasing because, oh, we're exercising the greatest power we have yeah. in some way. Yeah. I don't know if it's the greatest power, but um, yeah, that's cool. It's pretty great. Pretty great. It's pretty great. That's <laughs> improv's new tagline. Improv, colon, it's pretty great. Can you make a t-shirt that has an accent that says improv colon? It's pretty great. <laughs> that kind of sounded like Bill Clinton. Maybe an illustrate. Yeah, a mix between uh, Bill Clinton and that surfer from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Ridgemont High? Ridgemont High. Fast, Fast Times, Times at Ridgemont High. Ridgemont High. Spicoli? Spicoli, Jeff Spicoli, which was Sean Penn. Yes. Long hair. Yep. But you know what that movie is most famous for me for? No. Apparently, one of my doppelgangers, at least when I was younger, was Judge Reinhold. Was that his name? Judge Reinhold. Was that his name? Judge Reinhold? Yes. Yeah. And so people thought that he and I looked a lot alike. He had curly hair like I did back Uh then. And the most famous scene in that movie with him was when he got caught masturbating and in the bathroom or something. And so I was like, great. Everybody thinks I look like the masturbator. (laughs) (laughs) That's my claim to fame from that movie. Great. Are you looking up Judge Reinhold right now? I am looking up Judge Reinhold. To see if I... I mean, he's going to have curly hair, which I don't have now. Right. But... I've seen pictures. You've seen... Have you seen my presidential picture? No. From my yearbook? No. So I just went to my niece's high school graduation, my niece Madison... And I was watching all her classmates and such, and she was joking with me about some of her classmates and their photos, but I told her, in my yearbook photo, I was next to two people, uh, Lisa Dermanolian, who was, uh, hmm, how to describe Lisa? She was an eccentric girl. She had, like, really funky makeup and wore, like, really crazy pattern shirts and this is in her senior photo she had this crazy pattern blouse or sweater on and like dyed red hair or 
some color hair and yeah. funky makeup. Right. Kind of goth, pre-goth. And then the other guy on the other side of me was Stephen Diano, who had spiky hair and a leopard print top, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and, and, a blue blazer. and to top it off, a dog collar, <laughs> spiked dog collar. And I was between the two of them. And yes, <laughs> I had my blue blazer and my tie and my, <laughs> my nice uh, button-down shirt. And my hair, like my nice tight curls with my tan. I just got tan from being at the beach. My curls were nice blonde curls. And yeah. Smiling like, yep, yep, I'm a senior class president. <laughs> uh, between Lisa Dermanolian and Stephen Dion. Yeah, in touch. And Lisa and Stephen, if you're listening to this, I appreciate the diversity and the... The contrast. The contrast. Yeah. Spice of life. Spice of life. It wasn't my style back then. But anyway, so I kind of looked like Judge Reinhold. Anyway, and it's pretty great. Improv's pretty great. Improv, improv, it's really great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All that. So, hmm. Anything else you'd like to cover here today? Oh, just thinking about that. Did we get to her final question? Was it about the the different ways? In which ways, ways is it okay. different? In which ways is it the same? Yeah. yeah, I feel like. Well, you know, I mean, I think that both of them. They st- it's like they start at different places and mm-hmm. then they can kind of work back towards each other a little bit. So like mm-hmm. improv starts in interaction. It it, right. it it necessitates interaction and so you kind of start there and then and then through that process you work back to like noticing what's going on in you and noticing when you're having mm-hmm. judgments and noticing when you're ha- you know having doubts or noticing when you're censoring and then, and then you can kind of get into your get into your 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 quiet voice right you know like your gut uh, and i and it mindfulness kind of starts in the other direction starts with just you just notice you that's all and then ideally you take that out into the world into interactions mm-hmm. notice what's going on internally and you in relationship to the surrounding to what's around you but yeah and then you come into then you come out into interaction then yeah. you come out into interactions with other people mm-hmm. but I, and it so the i guess so the the mode is different but the but the what you get to is kind of similar which is like i have what i need to handle what comes at me mm-hmm. i'll pay attention i'm yeah i've got this this attitude or mindset that says i can handle it maybe it's resilience that that things are as they are i don't need to fight reality yeah so dare i say we've established perhaps this is like that healing staff of caduceus with the two snakes wrapped around. Oh, yeah. And the DNA super helix. Yeah. Like, there's this healing staff that Catherine pointed us to. Yeah. And, you know, improv is one snake and mindfulness is the other snake. Yeah. And they, oh, that's nice. Mm. And they oh. both give us, they both give us uh, ideas for how, how to, how to, how to stay resilient and kind. Yeah. So resilient this, and kind. Resilient and kind. I love it. That's like the overcoming the negative and promoting the positive. Yeah. You know, resilient and kind. Yeah, because you can overcome the the negative just by becoming like a warrior and, mm-hmm. and kind of like kicking everybody in your way out of it. But to be resilient, knowing that you have this kind of like, you have what you need, you're going to be okay. If you get new information, you can make new choices. Nice. Yeah, and yeah. With, this, with this snake image, we also get the rebirth. Shedding the old skin. Oh my! New thing coming forward. Yeah. Wisdom. And yeah. then sometimes snakes bite you. Ooh, fang you very much. Yeah. There's there yeah. it is. There's that. There's the good old pun. <laughs> Fangs you very much. We thought we might okay. get through it without one, okay. but not this time. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's gone serpent. Oh my. Serpent USA. Well, I think we're going to have to sign off, everybody out there in Radio I'm Land. I'm just getting going, Lisa. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's too if bad. only we had more time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that, that that was a nice little nice little exploration. That'll do it, yeah. So, um, so hope, thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine, for that great question. And for the email. And for the email. We, and, encourage, uh, we encourage others to email. Yeah, uh, send a note to info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a podcast with your question. Who knows? How titillating. Love that word. 
Okay. Before the okay. puns start on okay. that one, let us say thank you and good night. Thanks for listening, people, and uh, be well, heal well. May your serpents... May your hardships be overcome. And joy... In your positivity jar filled up. To mix metaphors. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, have a blessed day, people. Bye. Ch- ciao. great gift a completion of the circle are sending this out you listening and then as we just experienced sending something back yeah. and we respond yeah it's lovely very fulfilling so thank you so much remember that if you <clears throat> like this you can subscribe so that you stay up to date with every with all, whenever there's a new episode released so monsterbabypodcast.com and, uh, and if you would like to join us in playing with this stuff in real life and real time, uh, we have a retreat over Labor Day, September 2nd through 5th in Northern California, just north of San Francisco, an hour north of the city. Right on. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll leave see Leave a review. Leave a review if you like it, if you like the podcast. Go to iTunes store and uh, your review helps other people find us because the more uh, buzz there is about it, the more iTunes will tell other people. Yeah. So... Thanks, everyone. Enjoy. Ciao. Adios.